Hey, before we start this episode of 10K, I realized that we didn't shout out the great team who came up with our brand new intro song that you're going to hear in just a minute. Hook Directories, if you have any music needs, they're the guys to hook you up. Um, they did a great job with this intro song. I promise you, it slaps, man. It's a banger. I'm real excited about it. Andrew Kowalska is a great friend of mine, great friend of the pod, and his team over at Hook Directories did an excellent job. So, again, if you have any music needs, you can hit me up on social media, hit up 10K, reply, comment, whatever you got to do, DM us, and we'll get you all the info you need. We'll hook you up with them, and they can provide you some quality stuff, just like they did here at 10K. Thank you so much to Hook Directories, and let's get this episode started. I'm so excited for you to hear this new song. episode of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond, is in your ears. Episode 59. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, please do that. If you haven't left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do that as well. You can also follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at 10K Pitches. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio up there in Duluth. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm glad to be on yet another episode of this wonderful podcast. Hey, you made it. You made it to yet another episode, <laughs> and that's all, you know, if you can, can't be grateful for anything else, you know, be grateful to be on 10K. It's that's the simple I, things, I Jeremy. It it's really is. Simple it's the simple things in life, yes. Uh, we're that big of a deal here. Well, we try to we try to make ourselves seem like we're that big of a deal. Um, uh, really cool interview coming up. I've had this, you know, to be quite transparent, I've had this interview in the can for a while. Um, we actually recorded it during the hiatus. Um, so just waiting for the right time to put it out there. Um, Milwaukee Torrent owner Andres Davi. Um, really good chat with him. Very, he was very honest and upfront about the team's plans moving forward. Um, they really haven't made any any um, you know bones about it that they want to move up to the third tier and play in Nisa, um, and so I really dug in on that with him and kind of got more details on that. I mean, they obviously are, they already pay their players at the NPSL level, so um, you know they they really want to move up, kind of take the Detroit City route, if you will, um, and move up into Nisa. So very interesting. I mean, it, Milwaukee is one of those markets. It's it's a wonder why they don't. They they tried to make a push to get an MLS team a while back that didn't that didn't go uh, over. But it's a wonder why this team doesn't have a legitimate professional soccer club, or why this market, I should say, doesn't have a legitimate. Professional yeah, soccer club. no, absolutely. And you know, with with the way Madison has blossomed, I think that's probably dug a little bit of a dig or even more into the people that were, have been waiting for for that to happen for Milwaukee. So, yep. yeah, I'm sure there would be a lot of interested parties. Absolutely. So um, more on that coming up in the interview with Andres, which is again, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but for now, a lot of soccer talk to get to college season well underway. And we're going to start off with, um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order on the notes down, just so you no know, because I think the biggest story out of college soccer is U of M right now. Uh, Coach Chastain off to a monster start. The team is roaring through the non-conference slate, 4-0-3 right now. And the big thing is here, Dom, they haven't allowed a goal yet this season. Seven matches, no goals allowed, and it's been goalkeeper Megan Plachko who has been in net for all seven of those matches. This is insane. I mean, yeah, it's it's almost hard to believe we were we were kind of double checking some of the numbers before before the show just to make sure we oh, had this can't be true. right this because can't be it's real <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little wild it's a little wild and and for the same player to be doing it is, is also you know pretty crazy mm -hmm. um but yes through seven games to not even concede a goal winning four of them and drawing three of them is great but to not even concede mm -hmm. a goal is just bizarre um so uh, really exciting yeah. ahead of uh when they start conference play Yep, most recently at time of recording, beating North Dakota 2-0 at home. And Dom, I don't I don't think this is a typo. They <laughs> outshot 
North Dakota, 32 to four in this match. That is wild. Yeah, that's that's like those numbers are like uh, one those weird rounds of the FA Cup where like a Premier League side mm-hmm. randomly plays like a non-league team, like th- those numbers <laughs> or, yeah. or a fourth division team. Like those numbers are are pretty crazy. You know what it kind of reminds me of, and this is not soccer related, so I apologize. But um, I don't know if you've kind of followed the St. Paul Saints, Dominic, yep. Yep. playing in AAA. Have you seen some of the score lines on those games? Like yeah. 21 to 3, 19 to 4. Like it's kind of yeah. wild. But like when I saw 32 to 4, I'm like, that's pretty crazy. And then I think I like went on Twitter like five minutes later and saw that the St. Paul Saints had won a game 19 to 4. So I'm yeah. like, geez, what's a lot yeah. of lopsided stuff going on right I think now? Minor league baseball tends to throw throw you curveballs like that sometimes yeah. for sure. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, um, they take on Wisconsin on the 18th at home to kick off the Big Ten season. So um very, very good non-conference slate so far. Um, but I mean, you you want to win a conference championship, right? Right. That's that's all it's all well and good. And it'll probably will help you when tournament time comes around in terms of you know having a good resume for that. But now is the time where you really got to keep it going, where you got to keep that mojo right. flowing in the Big Ten season. Um, they did all right in the spring season. I don't think they kind of ended up where they wanted to be. They were in sort of the play in round of the conference tournament and they ended up losing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, if they can kind of take this momentum and translate it into the conference season. Um, also shout out Mackenzie Langdock, big 10 defender of the week. Um, obviously it's not just the goalkeeper who contributes when you go seven matches, uh, you know, worth of clean sheets. Um, the, the, the defense has to put it together too. Um, so kudos to her big 10 defender of the week, but man, I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. Um, this is a dream start for coach Chastain. I mean, can you imagine being her right now? You take the job and all of a sudden seven games, uh, no losses, all clean sheets. That's about as good a start as you can ask for. Yeah. I, I'm sure she was confident about, you know, the project, but I, I would Struggled to believe that she, you know, thought it would go this this perfectly. I mean, literally the only minor blemishes, I guess that they, they didn't win every game, but those were still like scoreless draws. Like that's that, that's still just such a strong start. So yeah, very yeah. very impressive. And we will keep a very close eye on the Gophers as they head into the Big Ten season. Obviously, best of luck to them. Um, as always, um, for all of your women's soccer news whether it's minnesota st thomas uh the new minnesota women's soccer team in the uw and the uslw excuse me um head over to our friends over at equal time soccer uh matt and mark pravatsky uh, among others doing excellent work over there um they got a patreon you can support it's like two bucks a month um and uh i mean it's just well worth it to support coverage of women's soccer um very very um excited um i, I mean i'm a subscriber myself uh, personally, I, I'm, I'm a Patreon member for them, and uh, it's just a no-brainer to, to support that sort of coverage. So go do that if you can. Um, speaking of the St. Thomas women, they have started their D1 campaign. I mean, pretty good, 2-3-1. and one. And, you know, I mean, you're not going to – I don't think you're going to start 6-0 and oh in any first, first season in D1. So 2-3-1, um, and one, definitely not something to hang your hat on. Um, most recently lost to Marquette. But um, on the 16th, which that match will already be complete by the time this airs, but we are recording here on Tuesday. Um, they play Eastern Washington on the road. Um, but pretty decent start for the St. Thomas women, considering it is their first season in D1. Yeah, and, you know, we we obviously talked uh, last week about the struggles of that transition for, for St. Thomas, and um, obviously that's manifested in a slightly different way for the men's side. So, you know, while as we talked with, with uh, John last episode, while there are a lot of reasons to be positive about the way that's going, it's also then additionally, you know, impressive to see that the, the women's side are managing to have a, a pretty decent record while doing the same transition. Uh, and yeah, 231 is not bad by any means. So uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how things continue to go then once they get more into the, the role of the conference play. Yep, and just to kind of uh, dig in a little bit more on that record, they are one zero and one at home. Uh, so they played two matches and are uh, you know holding down the fort there, um, and then zero uh, three and one on the uh, on the road. Are um, excuse me, zero three and sorry, one zero and one at home, one and three away. There we go. That's math. That's how that there works. Um, but um, <laughs> so a, a pretty good start for the uh, for the St. Thomas women 
Um, and so we'll obviously follow closely, um, you know, follow them closely as they move forward. As we will, the St. Thomas men, their start, unfortunately, has been a little uh, less satisfying than the women's. Uh, we talked to John Lowry, head coach of the men's team last week. Great interview with him. He was very honest, very transparent. Um, really cool. I gave us some gave us some tidbits that he admittedly has not said to anyone else before, which is pretty cool. Um, so go back and listen to that interview with John Lowry if you can. That was back at episode 58 just last week. Um, they fell 2-0 to Gonzaga in Spokane. Um, now that, that brings their record to 0-6. Um, they play UW Green Bay on the road on the 15th. So uh, Wednesday night, that match will, of course, be completed by the time you hear this. And then at home against California Baptist for another home game in St. Paul there on the 20th. Um, Coach Lowry said it last week. This is this is an adjustment. This is a transition. Um, they're playing quality, quality teams, too. They're not getting, you know, they're not um, fluffing the, the non-conference schedule by any means. Um, really good competition. Um, but he said we're really, really looking at the conference season as our NCAA tournament. Because due to the transition, they cannot play in the NCAA tournament, even if they were to make it. Um, so they are really looking at the conference season as as their postseason, basically. Um, so once that starts, once that Summit League season starts, that's when we'll really start to um, you know, potentially see – uh, see what this team is made of and see kind of where they stack up against the rest of the conference. Yeah. And, you know, for these last couple non-conference games before that kicks off, it's, uh, and again, as, as he laid out last episode, it's, you know, what kind of signs of improvement do we see? Their results have not been like blowout losses. You know, the, it's no. usually been relatively tight uh, one or two goal differences. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're in every match. They're not, yeah. they're not getting three, nil, four, nil losses. I mean, these are all within right. one or two goals. So, so looking at the green Bay game, the California Baptist game, it, you know, for, for the listeners, it's, you know, are there signs of improvement? Do we see good moments? That kind of thing. Um, mm. Goal, you know, do, do we maybe see a goal or two, you know, mm. there, there's, there's plenty to look, to look for aside from actual wins. And like you said, again, once the summit league matches actually start rolling through, then that's when we really can start evaluating where things are. So. I just, I just hope this, you know, doesn't necessarily sour the um, significance that they'll get when they do get that first win, because they will get that first win, um, right. and that will be a significant moment in Minnesota soccer history. Uh, having a D one win, you know, having a D one school win a match. Uh, so, um, you know, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Maybe it'll happen right. by the time you listen to this. Maybe it'll happen over the weekend. Uh, but I think it still will be a very, very significant moment when you just look at um, the jump, you know, all that that entails, um, you know, to, to get that first win will be cool. So hopefully, again, uh, it can happen sooner rather than later. But uh, we're going to move down a little bit. Uh, UW Superior, the men's and women's teams, picked to both win the uh, UMAC conference in the latest coaches poll. Um, no surprise there. Um, the men, uh, open UMAC play with a six, one win over Northland. Uh, they travel away to Northland on the 18th. Um, and leading into that, their non-conference run, they had three competitive losses. So, um, again, talking about not fluffing the, the non-conference schedule, Superior definitely did not do that. And that will only strengthen their chance to win the conference as conference play continues. I mean, a six, one win that, that just kind of shows you, shows you where they are and shows you the quality sure. of this, te this team. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you saw some of those non-conference matches not go their way, even knowing the context of the fact that they were clearly trying to play difficult teams and, and challenge themselves, you always have that thing in the back of your head of like, well, is this going to translate, you know, how is this going to translate into uh, conference play? Is this potentially going to be a problem? And yeah. they pretty quickly, uh, showed that wasn't going to be the case. Northland aren't necessarily a, a hugely successful men's soccer program, but they had a pretty solid season uh, this last spring. I mean, they're not mm -hmm. a bad side by any means. Um, so to come out 6-1, it's pretty strong showing. And they played them next as well, away now. So if that's mm -hmm. a similar result, um, any nerves that might have been created by that non-conference run, I imagine, will be pretty much gone. Yeah, so. and then over on the women's side, um, UWS two and two in non-conference play at the time of recording. Um, they start their UMAC run on the 18th, also um, at Northland, same as the men. So, 
Um, that'll be interesting to see how they how they fare in conference play. They were picked to win the conference as well. Um, so a lot of expectation for UW Superior, both on the men's and women's side, um, as they uh, they kick off UMAC. Um, very interesting. Saint Saint Scholastica. Wow, I'm gonna have to learn how to say that. Um, starts starts Mayak play. Now, what's interesting here is, to me at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you were up there. Uh, to me, soccer seems to be the most significant sport, the most impacted sport by Saint Scholastica's entrance into the Mayak. Um, is that wrong? Yeah, I mean, f- from from certainly my perspective, that seems to be the case. Albeit, there's some some bias on my part, probably from mm-hmm. what I pay more attention to. But but yeah, I, I, I certainly it certainly felt like in the soccer circles of this area that um, that was a huge topic of discussion, maybe more mm-hmm. than other sports. Um, especially because of the winning record that that yeah. CSS historically has with both mm-hmm. of its soccer programs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe someone will pipe in from another sport and say we're wrong. But I do think that it's it was a huge topic of conversation, the fact that these programs were moving. Yep, definitely. And so it'd be really interesting to see how they fare. Um, obviously, nobody expects them to be, you know, a, a St. Thomas-like dominant team. But at the same time, um, there is a lot of soccer history, um, a lot of really good results in recent seasons from the St. Scholastica team um, and should really strengthen the Mayak given the loss of, of St. Thomas, right? For sure. Um, For sure. So that will be um, interesting to see. They're not expected to do well by many, didn't fare well in the uh, coaches poll, but they had a decent non-conference season, three and two, um, good results. Um, they start conference play on the 15th, so it will have been on Wednesday by the time you listen to this. Um, they'll be at home against Gustavus Adolphus. Um, so that will be sort of a measuring stick early on to see um, how this team's actually going to fare. Um, I think you and I both think they'll fare better than um, the general public thinks they will. Um, right. Now, does that mean they'll be in top three, top four in the table? Who knows? Um, but I think they have a good shot to at least, uh, you know, be, be, um, at, at the very least respectable this season in that, in that For first sure. Mayak season. Yeah. Without reading too much into, you know, the early non-conference games, which of course we, you know, we're just talking about UWS who didn't have a great run and ended up doing well so far, but, um, CS at the men's side particularly, um, has looked very strong in, in it's, it's non-conference run, not winning every game, but playing pretty well and winning some games. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how that translates. They're, they're both, both programs, both the men's and women's programs have a history of being good at recruiting talent and just turning up when it matters. Um, one of the reasons, I mean, UWS wasn't expected to do well either way, but one of the reasons it so clearly won the, the polls for, for the men's and women's side was because the other team that would realistically be competing for those was no longer there. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, last season, for example, the, the UMAC men's final was uh, UWS versus uh, Bethany Lutheran. It was realistically going to be CSS instead of Bethany Lutheran, but there was a bit of a, a, a shock um, result there, and UWS kind of blew them out of the water. Uh, so Bethany Lutheran out of the water. So, you know, there's there's a big hole in the UMAC from them leaving, and I expect them to bring that presence definitely to the Maya, whether it means a top, you know, top finish or not. Mm-hmm. It's a team that's used to winning. It's a program that's yeah, used to winning, right? Absolutely. So um, we'll see if they can translate that to the MIAC. Um, we were just recently talking about the men's side, I should specify. Um, now over on the women's side, 0-1 and 3 start for CSS in the non-conference. Um, though they've looked pretty good in these matches. Yeah. Let me see 0-1 and 3. That's three draws in four matches. Um, so they're not getting outplayed. They're not, you know, um, it's still a decent start. Um, 4-1 loss to Gustavus Adolphus at home on the 14th um, to open Mayak play. Um, so not the result you want to open conference play, but at the same time, um, it's it's the first match of conference play. You had decent non-conference season, a lot of season left, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll need a larger sample size before we make a determination on, sure. uh, on either of these CSS squads uh, as they both start Mayak play. Yeah, and they... Um, just one quick note, just for listeners that aren't familiar, a person to look out for, for, for the women's side is Morgan Friday. She was one of the best UMAC soccer players probably the last couple of years. 
um, mm. multi-season offensive player of the year, crazy goal count, um, 73 goals in uh, 51 games, mm-hmm. uh, which makes no sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, so she, yeah. she's fantastic, and uh, she's going to still be with the team this year. So, uh, yeah, the first Mayak game didn't go amazing, although it was relatively tight till like, the last 20, 30 minutes. Um, yeah. But she'll be one of a couple pieces to kind of keep an eye on, see how they do at, at this level. And then that will do it for our college talk. Again, we'll we'll focus more on if you know if you're you know a fan of another Mayak or UMAC team, and you're like, why the heck, you know, where the heck's the conversation about us? We'll try to focus on different squads and different teams each week or each episode um, to make sure we're spreading the love. Because to be honest, there is just too damn much to yeah. try to cover it all every yeah. single episode. So these are going to try to be a little bit more focused um, each episode. So just to try to set the expectation there um moving on from college play though um this is the friendly we all wanted to see this is the match we all wanted to see we thought we were going to get it in the 2020 u.s open cup turns out we had to wait until uh september of 2021 to get it in via a friendly match uh, minneapolis city and forward madison the final was six nil to the mingos um but minneapolis city i think i saw their youngest team in five years on the field um and they've been around for only six so um yeah one of their youngest teams ever uh that they put on the field for this friendly against forward madison um they had quite a few futures players on the field um i think that a 17 year old 16 or 17 year old on the field at one point um so very cool to see that um just, just that youth on the field right um, yeah. Ford Madison did the same thing, um, you know, really rotating and getting guys getting trialists on the field. A trialist scored for the Mingos um, as well. Um, and really, this friendly was put together for me, at least from my vantage point. It, it's so much more than what was happening on the field. Um, right. Rob Chappell and I talked about this on our latest Talk and Flock pod- podcast. You can find every Monday talking about Ford Madison. Uh, we talked just it's getting these supporters groups together right um the the crows the the minneapolis citizens and the flock there's so much in common with those supporters groups a lot of overlap in those supporters groups as well um really cool to see the pictures coming out and the videos of them hanging out and like that to me is more what this was about than what happened on the field while it was cool though to see all these different guys on the field for both teams yeah, for sure, and and I'm sure all the players involved, particularly from the the city side, were were very you know excited to to be able to have that experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was always for for a variety of reasons. It was always going to be, you know, a, a match that would favor Madison, and and a match that necessarily wasn't all about what was happening on the pitch. Um, yeah. And that being said, some yeah, again, some some exciting features for for Minneapolis City. Um, yeah, the, the youngsters, as you mentioned um uh tyler david played for them uh yeah. that was kind of a cool cameo um yeah. so as, as he's i imagine you know maybe looking for a, a new club um mm. so yeah i mean a lot, a lot of positives regardless of i'm you know it would have been kind of fun if it was six one or something you know if you have that goal yeah. but at the same time i think they probably got everything they wanted out of it regardless yeah, and starting in net for Minneapolis City in this friendly was uh, Futures player Ekuse. Um, and he gave up six goals, but he made a few excellent saves. Yeah. So um, no reason to hang your head coming out of that no. one if you are a Minneapolis right. City fan. Right. Um, I think a lot of really good things, good signs to look forward to for um, sure. if, you're, if you're a Crows fan. Uh, switching gears here, Minnesota women's soccer. Not talking about the Gophers women's soccer team, but the new USLW team. A um, couple weeks back, they launched their WeFunder uh, community ownership campaign. That's up to close seven, up close to seven hundred thousand um, dollars. And those who have bought shares, who are community owners, um, can now have a say and and pitch uh, names for the club. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, I really like their current logo, so I I don't really want them to ditch the current <laughs> logo for something new. But at the same time, you got to do what you got to do from a marketing standpoint, I guess. Um, so I, I do hope they keep that at some, in some capacity. But um, 
This community ownership venture is interesting, Dom. And we were texting about this, and I kind of want to take that texting conversation and put it out here on the on the podcast. So, um, not a lot of these USLW teams, at least at least at this point, have taken this step towards launching community ownership or launching a right. WeFunder or whatever. Um, and now, but not all of these teams have gone out like Minnesota did at the very beginning and say, we are going to be a community owned community driven club. Um, but $700,000 is, is no, it's not chump change. Right. Um, and so you think, okay, from a team who's not, who's an amateur level soccer, you're not going to theoretically not going to be paying your players. You know, where, where is this money going to go? What is it going to be used for? Obviously, they've shown that from a marketing standpoint, not just them in the entire league, they want to take things up a notch. Um, and there are expenses in there. But we were sort of, and again, this is not us reporting anything, breaking any news. This is two guys in a bar talking about <laughs> what what the, what could possibly be happening. So take that with the largest grain of salt you possibly could. But to me, this is really an indicator that that amateur level soccer is not in the long term nor the short term plans for a team like MNWOSO. Um, when you kind of take this this initiative and you give yourself the um, oh the the value, what do what do you call that? When I can't remember what it's called, but when you when you place a value on your business or or your team yeah um, i know what you're talking about i don't know the word either i can't think um, of it but well anyways anyway. our apologies for our lack of of business and finance yeah. sense um yeah. anyways but our know, apologies was, to the business major portion of the yeah, audience it was over a million dollars right um and the, that they valued the team at and so that indicates to me that there's professional aspirations in the future for this team. Now, whether this is coming from USLW and they're saying, okay, yeah, we're going to start as an amateur league, but in two to three years, we fully expect to be professional, act like a professional club. Um, or if this is coming from Minnesota saying, we plan to be in the USL in three, four, or this USL, we plan to be out of the USL and in the in WSL in three or four years. You know, that to me, it just indicates to me that there are bigger aspirations, bigger things at play here in how this club views their future. Right. Yeah. And again, I, I don't, hopefully none of this comes off as like cynical because it's not, it's just a matter of. No, it's of, not. I, right. And I, I've been beating the drum for a long time saying that I think Minnesota right. would be a great market for an NWSL team. Or and I do too. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of hunger for that here. Um, yeah, I, I think that just the question that is is out there is obviously they're putting a lot of effort into all this. Mm -hmm. If the long-term plan is to stay an amateur team, um, how is that, you know, what is the plan to use all of this effort and money? And, you know, mm -hmm. how does that translate into operating an amateur team, which is not common? Um, yeah. And so maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's more cause for excitement or, or more positivity yeah, because sure. it shows a level of ambition that... Um, amateur teams of men or women rarely show. So, um, mm. yeah, it'll be, it, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting questions floating around for a, a long time. The community ownership stuff is, is very exciting and it's obviously mm. going very well. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It will definitely be interesting to, to see if maybe there's some things we don't know about yet. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be new news and kind of new developments. And as this league sort of expands and you get closer to the first season, that that inevitably happens, right? Um, so we'll see what's in the future for Minnesota Women's Soccer. But it's it's all exciting stuff. Like like you mentioned, Dominic, and I want to reiterate that point. This is not cynical in any way. This is two guys in a bar brainstorming a, a future of a team that they're really excited about. Right. Um, so really, really cool, um, no matter what happens, to see how this, uh, this sort of progresses. Um, transitioning over to Minnesota soccer alums, uh, names, you know, from Minnesota, Bloomington native Jackson Yule was called in to the U S men's national team following roster changes, um, for the match against Honduras. 
Um, of course, we know why he was called into the match against Honduras. We won't get into that here. If you're a fan of the U.S. national team, you have heard enough people Martin talking Hamm. about that one, I think. We're, we're not going to offer our takes or anything like that. We're going to stay away from yeah. that. Uh, but uh, he was on. He was in the lineup, and the U.S. won. When Jackson Minnesota, the lineup, Minnesota qualified for the World Cup. I, I tell you, when Jackson Newell's not on the roster, they they are they are winless in World Cup qualifying. Pretty good point. When he is on the roster, they're undefeated in World Cup qualifying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. saying. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, moving forward with with how they select the roster and what they decide to do. Um, we have about a month break here, and then they're back at it in October for more qualifying matches. So um, that will cause us all to. Uh, you know, our palms to start sweating and, uh, you know, our, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just watching, you know, being on the edge of my seat at 1030 PM on a Wednesday, <laughs> praying that your team scores a goal to quality, you know, potentially qualify for the world cup. It's not a great spot to be in. Um, so hopefully we get less drama and, and more, and more of what we saw in the second half against Honduras yeah. moving forward. But anyways, yeah. I digress on that topic. Um, this is kind of cool. Now, this is a little bit, I wouldn't say outdated, but this did come out uh two or three weeks ago. Um, uh, Minneapolis's own McQuelle Akale has been seen training with Minnesota United, um, which is really cool. No, this does not mean he is you know going to be signed by the loons or anything like that. I don't expect him to. Um, but what's interesting here is he's I don't know if this is a dispute, but he is trying to get out of his contract. According to Jacob Schneider uh, from zonecoverage.com, great friend of the podcast, covers Minnesota United for them, does an excellent job. Um, Akale is trying to get out of his contract with Paphos FC in Cyprus. Um, he last played there. Um, I think he spent the last three or four seasons there. He basically was out the entire second half of the season last year. Um and uh, I found out that it was due to an injury, but now he is trying to uh, reportedly get out of his contract with Paphos. That, that again, I don't want anybody to try to draw the conclusion that he's trying to get out of this contract with Paphos so he can sign with Minnesota United. That I don't think is the case. I think um, the trajectory that Akale is on. I mean, this is a guy who was playing for Villarreal before he uh, had signed with Paphos. So. Right. It's just an interesting development. He's obviously yeah. back home. Um, Minnesota United obviously is is jumping at the chance to have that guy in their on their training pitch, uh, for sure as as anybody would be. Um, so it's just an interesting development and something to keep a really close eye on. This is a huge talent. Um, somebody who was you know U.S. Youth National Team prospect, um, high highly touted prospect at one point. Um, again, played for Villarreal in Spain um, and uh, last few seasons in Paphos. So the ceiling is very high for this kid. Um, so no matter where he ends up, um, you know, there's, there's a real opportunity for him to continue on that trajectory. Um, so if he can get out of that contract, it'd be very interesting to see what his next move is. Yeah. And, you know, look, um, people may be less used to this with, with MLS because there's, there's more effort made to keep, these processes clean, I think, uh, mm -hmm. in, in American sports in general. But uh, unfortunately, in a lot of parts of the world, there can end up being some very sticky situations with contracts and with players' relationships mm -hmm. with clubs. And um, that may or may not be something that's happening here. And, you know, we'll see uh, We'll see where that takes him. And, you know, again, yeah, we're not – we have no reason to believe that he's going to sign for Minnesota United. But, you know, it will be interesting to see if maybe there's a, a stateside path that he maybe is – planning on taking or, or whatever happens. But um, yeah, obviously always good to have Minnesota based or Minnesota born players doing well. So we hope that, uh, that he can get back on the pitch soon. You know, it's also always good to have Minnesota based apparel. Interesting. Wearing Minnesota based apparel while you're out competing on the soccer pitch. Down mm -hmm. um, the inception of apparel. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, teams like Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, the Karen FA, Dynamo FC St. Cloud. They're all local, and they choose local. I'm talking about Stimulus Athletic. Uh, so breaking news, guys, next week, Stimulus Athletic owner, founder, Jason Mora, 
will be on the podcast. Now, if the name sounds familiar, or maybe you're not sure, um, you know what's J- what Jason has done aside from owning Stimulus Athletic. Um, he is kind of a mainstay in Minnesota soccer history. He had three different stints uh, in Minnesota: one with the Stars, two with Minnesota United. Um, and he loved Minnesota so much that he decided after he retired, this is where he's gonna uh, plant his roots down. Um, and um, we actually. To be honest, we've already had the conversation with Jason, so we're gonna just gonna play it next week. Uh, that's what happens. That's what's great about podcasts. You can record these interviews at any time and play them anytime you want. That's awesome. Um, so be on the lookout for that next week. But um, Stimulus Athletic is a great place for you. It's a great resource for you if you are a soccer, even if you're a baseball, basketball, they're heavy in the ultimate Frisbee scene too. They provide quality game gear and apparel at very affordable prices. That's one of the things that Jason told us in the interview. He's like, we want to provide a quality product at a great price and provide great customer service at the same time. So you're going to get a great all-around experience and you're going to be supporting a locally owned and operated business. This is local business. This is small business. Um, During the pandemic, one of the one things we sort of emphasized and and we hope to continue emphasizing moving forward as we hopefully can move out of a pandemic is shopping small and supporting small locally owned businesses. Um, Stimulus Athletic is one of those, but they provide a damn good product in the process. I mean, you can attest to that right now, Dominic. You're wearing yeah. a 2018 Duluth FC Stimulus Athletic jersey right now. You can't see, but I'm patting the Stimulus logo. Uh, no. Yeah, I, uh, I got this in, uh, in 2018. This was a, the Duluth FC kit during that season, the season we won the Midwest Regional title. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not saying there's a correlation I there. Mean, I'm not saying Stimulus Athletic is the reason, but, but yeah, no, I mean, it's hitting that, though. Not saying it. Uh, it's it's a great kit. I, I, I obviously still have it around a couple years later, and I, I enjoy wearing it. Still fits well, and it looks it great. Looks great. And, uh, yeah. So, Objectively speaking, it looks awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, I, I was just gonna add. You know, the great thing about you're talking about the, the local connection and, and all that. The great thing about stimulus is that they're they're not they're serving a much wider community these days. I wouldn't exactly count Anguilla as part of Minnesota. Um, no. But but they they're still maintaining that identity, which is which is always good. So uh, being able to have the the mom and pop shop energy without being a mom and pop shop is is uh, very very impressive. Tulsa Athletic in the NPSL National Championship, they wore Stimulus Athletic this season. As you mentioned, the Anguilla National Team, a team who was competing in the World Cup qualifying, had Stimulus Athletic on their jerseys. Um, the American Outlaws, you may know they are the main U.S. men's and women's national team supporters groups. A lot of them, if you see the close-ups of them in the stands, especially with this next round of qualifying, you're going to see a lot of stimulus athletic in the stands because a lot of their local chapters and even nationwide utilize stimulus for their merch. And so that's another thing. Even if you're, maybe you're, you're, kind of loosely involved in soccer maybe you're not a team maybe you're i don't know whatever you do i mean if you want to drop some merch if you want to put out some merch stimulus athletic is a great resource for that too um i've gone on long enough stimulusathletic.com click that design tab click that get started button it's such an easy process if you have a design they can apply it to the jersey or whatever you're looking to get if you don't have a design that's totally fine their design team is amazing stimulusathletic.com make sure you let them know that jeremy and dom from Ten Thousand pitches sent you there i could go on and talk for days about stimulus Athletic. <laughs> I love those guys i'm very proud that they're the title sponsor here on 10k all right after all that talking i think we go ahead and we give the floor to andreas davi of the milwaukee torrent owner of the milwaukee torrent really cool interview here i know a lot of us based in minnesota may know Milwaukee Torrent, but may not know a lot about the Milwaukee Torrent. So um, stick around for this interview. It's really, really good. And Andreas, very honest, very upfront, but really, really good information and insight from him. So that is coming up right now. Dom and I will catch you next week for 10 Now joining the show is the owner of the 2021 NPSL Great Lakes Division Champions and most recently 
the Midwest region champions of the Nisa Independent Cup. I'm talking about the Milwaukee Torrents. And the owner is Andreas Davi. Andreas, thank you so much for joining 10K this week. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure, pleasure to talk with you guys. Now, at the time of recording, you're actually you're you're on your way to a soccer match, uh, as I, as I uh, hear, correct? Yes, I'm I'm watching uh, Seattle Sounders versus FC Dallas tonight. Oh, that that uh, like in like an hour. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you carving out some time on your commute to uh, talk to me here on on 10K. Um, so we'll get right to it then. Um, first of all. Andreas, as the owner of the Milwaukee Torrent, I kind of want to, you know, have our listeners, you know, get to know you and who you are specifically. So if you could kind of tell me kind of your history in soccer, how you got involved and how eventually you became the owner of the Milwaukee Torrent. So um, I grew up in Leverkusen, Germany. Uh, I started playing soccer when I was three years old. Um, went to the whole youth program at Bayer Leverkusen. It's obviously a well, well-known club. Um, after I went to the youth program, I played for, for different clubs on a, some on a professional level, some on a semi-professional level was never really, I mean, I, all my life, all I did was soccer, never did anything else. Um, moved in 2009 to Milwaukee was, uh, running in Milwaukee, uh, youth program. And, um, then in 2015, I came up, not really came up with the idea, but the NPSL actually, actually called me and said, hey, they just lost uh, the Milwaukee area because the club that I worked for also had an NPSL membership. But with me leaving, they had nobody who could raise the money. And I said, look, I do this only if I can do this with paid players. And obviously in the NPSL, you can, you're allowed to pay your players. And so the Milwaukee Torrent was, was born basically in a 48-hour uh, time frame uh, from, the, from the time I called, talked with Joe, at this time Joe Baroni on the phone. And two days later, I had the first $10,000 raised and I had the logo. And then wow. the rest is, is a short, but I mean, five, six year history now. And what we did in the last, since 2015, I think uh, with being, being, having an owner who is not a millionaire uh, with the way we run it, it's uh, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this, uh, you know, concept of being in the NPSL where, you know, a large majority of the teams you know, obviously don't pay their players for, for various reasons. Um, you know, having a model yourselves where, where your players are paid. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, your, your passion for that aspect of it, specifically where that comes from and, you know, the struggles you face with, with having that sort of, uh, you know, uh, plan in there, but also maybe the, the reward that you get from it from an ownership standpoint, knowing that, the guys who are competing for you are being compensated. So it's, um, it's obviously the, the one thing that we did not need in Wisconsin anymore was another amateur club. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to have something, something for the kids that they can look, look up to in the state of Wisconsin. You know, you have, you have the Bucks, you have the Brewers, you have the Packers, you even have, um, you have the, the Admirals for hockey. You have, you have the, um, you have the Milwaukee way for indoor soccer, but there's really nothing. There was nothing in the state of Wisconsin. There is nothing in the state of Wisconsin for, for soccer, for outdoor soccer. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was also a big, big thing for me that we, that we changed this because you have, you have in in South, Southeast, Southeast Wisconsin, you have like over 60,000 kids who play select soccer. I mean, that's, that's a big number. Mm -hmm. Um, with obviously with with paying players it's obviously you needed to always to see how is the i want i want that the turn is a homegrown program so you have to work with the players that are obviously homegrown we figured out without being any disrespectful to those players we just don't have the quality in wisconsin Mm -hmm. at least not to fill a roster of 20 people or 20 players to have them all full paid that's just that's just one one thing that that doesn't work in in Wisconsin. Um, what is then obviously even now with having with having with having forward Madison in in the in the USL in the USL one, it's obviously challenging for all the youth clubs because now you have two entities in Wisconsin who play high level soccer, and now the pressure is on them to develop kids yep. to play on this level. You know, five six years ago. There was nobody that, that you could say, hey, we need to see that we develop our kids, that they have a homegrown program. Nobody really 
cared about it. Well, now you have two programs and now those clubs are a little bit, I don't even think that they, that they have to or that they see it this way, but I don't want to run a program with, with players from all over the, over the, over the nation or over the world. Mm -hmm. But right now that's little, that's little kind of what we, what we're going to do, what we have to do right now, just because of, of the quality. And of course, I mean, when you play, um, we, we noticed this in the first big change that we had was 2019 when we played, when we played the members cup, mm-hmm. um, with the players and the quality, the quality on the field was just unbelievable. Yeah. And this year it was, it was even better. And the majority of the players were unfortunately not from, not from Wisconsin. So, um, so this is obviously something that you have that you really that you have to think about, and, and then how much do you pay them? And we have most of our players. We also provide housing for them. They have insurance. We obviously have um, we have a sponsor with a hospital that, that that they don't have to worry about injuries or anything like this. I mean, you need to see the whole package and not just a dollar amount that yeah. that some people just do. Um, it all comes. I mean, we played this year obviously only from only the NPSL season because there was no members cup. It's still a six a six digit number that you need for something like this. Yeah. And and like I said, I'm not a millionaire. This all this money needs to be raised. Yep. And so entering you know uh, 2021 NPSL season, you know, you're getting back on the field after a long layoff. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic last year winning that that great lakes division championship um what specifically do you think made you guys so successful this year and and how satisfying was it at the end of the day sort of especially with you know teams like Car- carpathia in, in your division as well we saw the run they made um in the uh, npsl playoffs as well to the regional semifinals. um you know what what was it like sort of what was the division like uh, as a whole coming off the pandemic and how satisfying was it for you guys at the end of the day to you know come out on top um I mean, it is, it doesn't, from a, from a point, I think one of the reasons why we were so good this year on the field is just, like I said, the character of the players. We had players who always know, they know how to play under pressure. You know, most of those players, I always say one of the biggest problems in the U.S. is that our players don't grow up with the pressure of promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, even still when you lose, you have a zero whatever record. You're still at the highest division. And we're looking for, for people with a torn who know how to compete under pressure because this is pressure. You cannot spend a six-digit mon- amount of money every year and with all respect to the league, but still playing in the NPSL. So you need to be also successful to get to that next level and to attract more people and more sponsors. Um, playing, playing, playing the division, I mean, everybody thought... Uh, you know, it's always, always say, well, you don't play a tough opponents. I mean, first of all, it doesn't matter how the opponents are. You still have to win nine games in your division. Yep. I mean, that's, that's not easy. And then when you, I don't know if you watch the game against Cleveland, yep. um, I, I still think the way it is, uh, after halftime, uh, something happened, uh, something happened clearly to the referee. This, you get two PKs yeah. uh, and, and you lose that game. So something happened after their head coach, we know, we know that their coaching staff went into the locker room of the referees. The league didn't do anything against it. Something happened. But however, we lost the game. Um, but then if you think about, if you go over to Nista, um, then you win, you win this tournament. And even that people said, oh, it was Chicago. You know, when the Milwaukee Town wins, people always look for an excuse why we didn't lose. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but when I heard that oh, Chicago was the first game, I mean, over half of those guys who played against us, they were battling for a contract with a professional team. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody who played, they worked their rear end off because they want a contract with a Nisa club. Yep. So, um, and we were, even that I think we were the better team. We won. Uh, there was a reason why we won. Um, and it was a great season so far. It, it ended pretty, pretty un- unlucky. But those are the reasons why why we won the, the league and, and the and the division. 
Yeah, so I want to talk about the that independent cup a little bit more. How did you guys sort yeah. of get involved? Did they contact you? Did you reach out once you heard this was a thing? How does how do you guys get implemented in, in a tournament like this? And just logistically, you know, how do you feel it, yeah. it, it went in its second year now? I mean, for us, it is, it's obviously not a secret that the Milwaukee tournament that we're trying to join NISA uh, next year. That's obviously our goal. And uh, mm-hmm. when they started planning uh, the regions, uh, they called us right away. And it's it's a pretty e- easy process to join. I mean, they have the minimal standards like everybody else. Um, it, it was well well run. You don't have to worry about much. I mean, obviously with COVID, there are some protocols that were easy to do. Um, but otherwise, it's it was very well organized. Um, so it's pretty easy and simple to join yep. if you if you have your stuff together, obviously, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, let, let's talk about that that potential ascension, ascension into Nisa. Uh, has, has this always kind of been the plan since you know you, Nisa started? You see the Detroit cities of the world sort of making that jump. Yeah. Um, was that the point where you got where you really kind of thought about this potential? You know, you'll move into there, and you know, where are you guys kind of at in that process right now? So we, we want, we want, we wanted to do this. Obviously it was my goal anyway, since I started the tournament being in a professional league, an official professional league that obviously, I don't know if you know, if you know all the standards, the standards that you need, the rules about this and everything, that's not that easy and simple specifically when you, when you, when you're in a town where the town is, how do I say this? You probably heard this, the league over club. So we have tremendous support in the city. However, most of the people, they just jump on the train when you are in that level. Yeah. If you're a millionaire, that is fine, but we, are, we don't have people involved who are millionaires. So we need the support before you make to that level. And people in our city, they just don't understand this. They are kind of spoiled because of the mm-hmm. Packers, of the Bucks, of the Brewers, that they don't understand what this means, yeah. you know? Um, and that's that's a factor where I even even and it's not a secret. Right? I'm even thinking maybe this is in a different city easier than than in Milwaukee. Um, yeah. But um, it's there's a specific protocols you have to follow. We work on them obviously we, with with all of our infrastructural uh, infrastructure that we have in Milwaukee. We qualify. Um, Nisa they they visited Milwaukee. They were here at the last game. Um, they're we have we ha- we don't have a high school stadium. We have a city stadium with five thousand people. We have huge locker rooms. We have concession stands. We can sell beer. We have several food vendors at the game. It will be a great asset to wherever we go. Obviously, uh, USL is, would be a struggle just because the Madison Group has has territorial rights for Wisconsin. And as everybody know, they their goal is to put a USL championship team down to Milwaukee, but there is no stadium for them as of right now. But um, there, there are many, many factors, you know, that, that needs to happen. And, and right now, it's not even so much the money part. Right now, it's much more the support. You yeah. do not want to invest in something where you're not 100% sure if the people, if the people jump on it. And everybody always says, I, when I do, like, when I talk about things, I have to stay positive. But this is just a fact. It is just a fact that, that there are so many organizations in the city they don't want the tournament to be successful because it's somebody from Milwaukee who does it. Yeah. They rather have a millionaire coming in from a different city and do this than somebody who actually, and even that I'm not from Milwaukee, but, but because I'm living now for 11 years, they just don't. And there comes jealousy in, and you know, many people always ask me, how do you do this without money? Mm. Well, I just go out and do it. I'm a go-getter. I just do yeah. this, you know? And um, those are those are the factors right now that you really, as closer you get, the more ha- you have to think about this. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, we we won we won a conference championship on a Wednesday night, even though it was raining, and you have two hundred people in the stands. Yeah, you know, and and it's still it's still that even that we sold twelve hundred season tickets, but those are things you have to think of. Yeah, not just the money part. You have to think of okay, you invest three point six million dollars for three years. Um, how do you get this money out? Even that you have an operational budget for three years, um, but what do you what do you do in year four? Can you work so hard in the first three years that you get all that money? You know, like I said, this is for me now, right now, more that I think of than the money part in general. Yeah. So those those yeah. are some really good points. I mean, we've seen 
past efforts to to bring MLS to Milwaukee failed efforts at at, at the time. So you know having yeah. having that stance as the first you know you know pro club in terms of uh, you know that NISA standing I think would be would be a huge huge benefit I think overall. But as you said, there's a lot of things to consider and a lot of uh, you know, a lot of planning that goes involved in it and a lot of you know red tape and things like that. So best of luck to you as you navigate that. Obviously, we'll, we'll be paying super. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Thank you. Let's transition over to the women's side now. So you introduced the women's yeah. team in 2018. Um, tell me a little bit about you know adding adding the women's team kind of and the evolution that the women's side specifically has seen over the last few years. Um, well, from the from the one one point one point with with the women's side, it's obviously there is you have big big challenges on the women's side with with the way with the way they um you have now the Bavarian soccer club is in Wisconsin you have Green Base in Wisconsin um I just even that we have a very very great great division uh, I just think right now it is too much too much of competition in in a very in a very tiny area because you know, you're only allowed to take five five girls from every Division One club, uh, from every Division One college, and now you have you have three big clubs in Wisconsin. Then you have the Chicago Red Stars, only one and a half hours away, and and that is really that is really a, a challenge to get to get the players and keep and keep the the quality high. And I said this to the league, and then the league comes with with a. Their thing is, well, if we don't take them into a league, they go somewhere else, you know. Um, but we played, we played this year, we played our, our best season. We started in 2018. We played our best season this year. Um, I was, I'm the coach of the women's team. Um, right. And um, it is, you know, when you go against the Red Stars, the reserves, it's, it's not easy to compete. Yeah. But obviously, I'm also looking for something more than just playing three months in the summer on the women's side. You know, I sometimes I wonder if I should put the effort into the women's side and not into the men's side to bring a professional team here. Yeah. But but then, you know, then to, again, to be honest, you contact the I can't try to contact the NWSL for over a year. They just don't get back to me. Yeah. You know, and they, they, they want to. And this is the thing. I think I think you sometimes when when organizations know you're not involved as a, and again, it, it's sad to say this, but if you're not a millionaire. They don't. They don't call back. They don't call you back. And uh, and but again, it's again the thing. We are happy where we are. We're happy where we are with the women's program. It is fun to run. Um, we have committed girls all over, and uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's. It's a great program. It's. A, it's a very great program. So I. I love. I love doing it. And uh, we. We're going to. We're going to try, to at one point to win it. So that it's not always the Chicago Red Stars. Yeah, that's always boring. Yeah, it's and it's tough when you're going up against those NWSL reserve teams, but uh, you yeah, know, things seem to be progressing in the right direction for you guys on that side as well. So, um, you know, yeah. ho hopefully that it continues to trend in that direction for you. Um, so as we wrap up here, Andres, you know, um, you you mentioned your 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 plans, your desire to sort of move forward into into the professional realm on the uh, on the men's side obviously continuing to be more competitive on the women's side, any other specific, um, you know, goals, benchmarks, you know, uh, whether it's the short or the long term uh, for the Milwaukee torrent that we should be looking out for that you maybe have on the, on the pipeline. Sorry, I did. You were breaking up. I'm very sorry. What did you say? I, I apologize. So, um, you know, aside from what you mentioned on the men's side with obviously wanting to potentially move forward into the professional realm on the women's side, wanting to become a little bit more competitive, um, you know, what, uh, what other big plans, projects do you guys have in the pipeline that we should be looking out for any future plans as far as short, short or long-term go for the Milwaukee Torrent? Like I said, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed, but we had, we had, uh, this year we started a super wide program mm -hmm. um, and we had 11 teams participating without, without actually having a youth, a youth uh, academy. Wow. What was a big success? Um, really the number one priority is getting into third division with this is, this is what we are working for. I do not want to have only like a three month or three and a half month soccer season. Um, so this is our priority 
for the fall 2022. Wow. All right. Well, we will be uh, we'll be looking out for that. Andreas Davi, owner of the Milwaukee Torrents, um, obviously 2021 Great Lakes Division champions in the NPSL and, uh, you know, looking to do some bigger and better things as we head into 2022. We'll be keeping a close eye on all of that. Andreas, thank you so much for joining 10K this week and uh, have some fun at the soccer game tonight. Thank you very much. Thanks for contacting me. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you.